Just give us a second, folks, as we load our prelude and video. And good morning.
Good morning. I'm Alan Cantor, a member of the community care team here at the Unitarian Universalist Area Church at First Paris in Sherburne. Welcome. Spirit of life and love, we gather together in different ways this morning. From computer screens, from telephones, from tablets, we gather reaching out across the wires, waving from a safe distance to come together in religious community. From living room to front porch, we gather as we are able, ready to be of service to each other, to the world, ready to build a community of hope and of love as we face this bright morning. We are apart, but we are together, offering our love, our commitment, our hope, and our prayers in service to one another and this world. It is a new way, but an old way that we come together in worship today. Well, welcome everybody. It's so good to see so many of your faces uh, joining us in worship today. I have just a few announcements about um, upcoming things and about doing worship online. So the first announcement or the first thing to know is that we're recording this. So if you um, do not want your face on the recording. You can switch off your camera if for any reason that is what you need. Um, you can also switch to gallery view in the top right hand corner so that you can see everybody um, all at the same time and you can go back to speaker view if you want to see the person who's speaking. So that's an option as well. I invite you to find the chat box. Most people have found this already, but we'll be sharing song lyrics, words to our covenant, et cetera, in the chat box, um, as well as some prompts. If you have a chalice at home or a candle, uh, feel free to grab that. Take a moment to grab that maybe, um, in the next couple of minutes. Uh, we'll be inviting everyone to light their chalice from home. And look for, uh, uh, after worship, we'll have about 20 minutes to uh, gather in coffee hour and virtual coffee hours. We'll be splitting you into randomized breakout groups of six to eight people. So you'll be able to connect with your community after coffee hour. Stick around for that, please. Uh, look for upcoming opportunities to gather online in our uh, twice weekly email now, Mondays and Thursdays. Uh, a couple of other things that we just want to uh, well, a few more worship notes, and then I'll tell you about some upcoming opportunities. First of all, everyone is on mute, and any speakers who are speaking will unmute themselves, but everyone else is going to stay on mute for the duration of the um, worship until coffee hour. And we invite visitors, if you are brand new joining us this morning, or you have not yet given us your information, you've been joining us for a couple weeks now, we invite you to fill out our form so that we can be in touch with you and welcome you. We wish we could meet you in person, but we would uh, love to get to know you a little bit via email. So please fill out the welcome form that will be in the chat box now. Some upcoming things that we want to invite you to. Uh, on Tuesday, this Tuesday evening and next Sunday, we're going to be having a State of UUAC address uh, with Reverend Nathan and Allison Murchison, our board president. So you can come and learn how UUAC is responding to the pandemic, how it's shaping our planning for worship and programming and also stewardship. So we'll be doing that on Tuesday evening at 7 p.m. and next Sunday on, at 7 p.m. So see the info in tomorrow's email. 
Also, we are trying to mix up what we're offering each week. So going forward, um, we know that we've uh, been offering some spaces for us to gather online and we're switching up what those spaces are going to be in the coming weeks. So uh, the three weekly offerings that you can expect every week going forward is lunch with the ministers on Tuesday from 12 to one. Feel free to bring your lunch, take a break from whatever you're doing in the middle of the day and join us on Zoom. Um, several of your ministers will just be hanging out on the Zoom room and having lunch with you all. So please join us for that. We'd love to see you. Uh, the other things coming up Tuesday evenings, we're continuing our story time for kids from 7 to 7.30, bedtime stories for kids, 7 to 7.30. It's been a very sweet group. It's been really lovely. Um, so please join for that. And also Thursday nights, we're piloting a new program called Thursday Nights Together. And each of the ministers are going and Dara are going to rotate our offerings every couple of uh, weeks. And this Thursday night from 7 to 8.30 is Theology on Tap with Nathan. So uh, we look forward to seeing you all at those upcoming things. We invite you to turn on gallery mode and say hello to each other. Go ahead and greet each other now. everyone. Please join me in our responsive opening words. Um, I'll be reading the part of minister and Nathan will lead the response of the people. Our mission is to plant ourselves at the gates of hope. Not the prudent gates of optimism. Not the stalwart, boring gates of common sense. Nor the strident gates of self-righteousness. Can we advance to the next slide? Thank you. But a different, sometimes lonely place. It's a place of truth telling. The place of resistance and defiance. The piece of ground from which you see the world. Both as it is and as it could be. And we stand there and we're beckoning and calling. Telling people what we are seeing. Asking, asking people, people what, what they see. Good morning, everyone. Um, Ada, please sing this next hymn in your home. It is, uh, tis a gift to be simple. The lyrics will be in your chat box. Thanks, everyone.
All right, now is the time in our service where we invite, we light our chalice and we invite you to, if you have a chalice at home or a candle or you can um, light the app if you have the app or just do little hand sparks if you need to do those. Um, and we'll say together our covenant. And we'll say together, love is the spirit of this church and service its law. This is our great covenant to dwell together in peace, to seek truth in love, and to help one another. And we invite you to join in singing our doxology. congregation comes to worship on Sundays and it's a very special place every Sunday people come here to think about how people can be together in peace how to feel thankful for the blessings and the gifts that this world gives to us and how we can make this world a good place for everyone we come together as a community on Sunday two children Emma and Sophie came to church with their parents Okay, and 
next door. door there were two people there to greet them these are ushers they say good morning to Ella and Emma and their family and then they hand their family an order of service and they come in and they take their seats in their favorite pew where they can see Kathleen our pianist is playing the piano and music helps us to get ready for the church service. Emma and Sophie listen to the music. They look up at the front of the sanctuary where they can also see Reverend Heather and Reverend Nathan. When Kathleen stops playing the piano, our worship associate comes up to the pulpit. Our worship associate is a lay leader who greets everybody. They say, good morning. I am today's worship associate. We welcome you to the Unitarian Universalist Area Church at First Parish in Sherborne. Whoever you are, wherever you come from, whatever your faith is, whatever is going on in your life, we welcome you to this diverse and loving religious community. We invite you to take a deep breath and put away the pressures of the world. And now, is our, as is our tradition, we invite you to greet your neighbors. You can see there's all sorts of other people in the pews as well. The lay leader goes and sits down. The ushers come and take a seat as well. And now everybody says good morning to each other. Hello, good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning. To start worship, the minister reads the opening words and then invites everyone to take out their hymnals and sing together. We all get hymnals. Maybe TNT is playing this morning. Every Sunday, Unitarian Universalists light a chalice. It reminds us of the spirit of love and mystery that some people call God. This morning, Emma's friend from Sunday school, Lucy, is lighting the chalice. up very very carefully to light the chalice and our chalice for our basket today is from um, a woman named Pat Manley this is a necklace that she had and she died a few years ago this is a very special chalice that we have for our Wonderbox story that was from Pat so Lucy goes back down after she's lit the chalice sits with her family and now the minister says let's say together our covenant and you can join with me if you know it Love is the spirit of this church, and service its law. This is our great covenant, to dwell together in peace, to seek truth in love, and to help one another. And then everyone sings, From all that dwell below the skies, let songs of hope and faith abide. 
people sit back down. Now one of the ministers comes down the stairs and says, I'd like to invite any young people and their families to come forward and see our wonder box. So several children and their families come up to see what's in the wonder box this morning. Maybe some adults come up, maybe some teachers too, maybe some kids stay in their pews. This morning, the minister asks for a volunteer to open the Wonder Box, and Sophie volunteers and is picked. So she helps open the Wonder Box. And then the minister tells a short story or a message, and after this, the Wonder Box is over, invites all of the children to go to their classes. And the whole congregation sings, Go now in peace, go now in peace. May the spirit of love surround you everywhere, everywhere you may go. And after the children go to their religious education classes, the adults continue on with the worship service. I wonder if you have ever seen or heard any of this in our church. I wonder which part of this you like the most. I wonder which part of this you miss the most right now. I wonder where the spirit of love and mystery that some people call God might be found in this story. I wonder where you might be in this story. So this is our Wonder Box lesson for this morning. Thank you so much for joining us, and I miss you all, and I miss being in worship together, but I'm so glad we're able to be together on the screen and on the computer together. Have a great afternoon. Take care. Thank you, Heather, for that. Um, well, next week, we'll do a close-up of all the wooden figures to see who we can recognize. <laughs> um, next, we have um, a, a video and uh, some slides that we put together this week as we think about our community and the ways we've gathered and the things that we miss and the things that we love. safe, where I can be myself. Hi, I'm Nevin Shanerbrook, and why I love UUAC is because it is a second home. It's what a home should be, where I feel safe, where I can be myself, and also where that uh, divine spark, which I absolutely believe exists in each and every one of us, where that divine spark is nurtured and nudged along to keep us moving forward in this crazy and wonderful and beautiful world. Um, I love UUAC because not only do they do the church program, they do all kinds of other fundraisers and events outside of church, but the same community. Abby, can you tell me what you love about church? I love the flowers um, that they always have out and I and I miss my class. How about you, Molly? 
um, I miss my classroom and all my friends in my classroom. Alicia, what do you like about your UAC? Mm -hmm. I like that there's classes. You can go to classes. And there's candy. And I like to sing songs. What are your favorite? Um, what are your favorite? You want to sit on the couch? Sit on the couch. Hey, Haley, do you have favorite things about UUAC, the church? I love UUAC because it's a really loving community, and I feel like even in this time while we're not all together at the church, we're still connected on a deeper level, and uh, even if you don't know everyone personally, you're still connected to them, um, and I feel like that's something really special that not all places have, and I'm really happy that I got to grow up in a place like that. I love UUAC because we have a free pulpit and free pews, which means that I get to see my ministers show up fully as them every week, and I get to show up fully as me, and we don't have to agree. We get to contribute to each other and learn from each other without having to arrive at the same place, and that is so much fun and so valuable. As a new member, I love UUAC's warmth and spirit of belonging. I love that it's a caring community of heart and action. I especially love UUAC blends purpose and connection with creativity and fun. That sermons are so wholehearted and music so powerful. And that Sundays, because of all that, transform my week. Thanks to all of you who shared your thoughts with us today. Even virtually, I can sense the response from everyone watching this morning. Good morning, my name is Valerie Anastasio Stalzer and I'm a member of the UAC stewardship team. And with my family, Steve, Rosa and Thomas, I've been a member of the UAC community for almost 10 years. The voices in that video remind me again of all the aspects of this community that first drew us in place of safety and security, of social and spiritual nourishment, of welcoming and belonging, lots of cuteness, <laughs> amazing moving words and profound silences, powerful healing artistry in the form of flowers and quilts and signs and drawings, and really, really great music. As a community, one important way that we uphold and sustain our practices is through financial stewardship. Each spring, the stewardship team works with UUAC's board and its finance committee as they prepare the church budget for the next year. And even in this most extraordinary time, that process remains the same. We ask fellow members to make a financial pledge toward the budget, which is voted by members at the annual meeting in June. So members, if you can do your best to make your pledge to next year's budget by Sunday, May 17th, that's about four Sundays from now, this will give the Finance Committee time to prepare the budget for the annual meeting. Information on using Realm to pledge will be posted after the service, and it's also provided in our weekly email communications. And as Reverend Nathan announced last week, this year we have 
the incentive of a generous matching challenge from one of our families, they have agreed to match any new pledges or any pledge increases up to a total of $10,000. So please help us look ahead by making a financial pledge toward the church's 2021 budget. Give as generously as you are able in an amount that feels right to you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Valerie. And now from Valerie's words and from um, the music and Heather's wonderful wonder box, let us find our center. Let us find our spirit. Let us sit back into whatever, whatever comfortable spot we have found in our homes. Let us take a deep breath. Feel the breath inside you. Feel the life inside you. And as we do so, let us sing together Spirit of Life, our prayer hymn this morning. The lyrics will be in the chat box for us. Thank you, Sarah, and thank you, Kathleen. As we begin our prayer time this morning, I want to ask us to hold two families in particular in our prayers who have been affected and have, have, been, uh, have had losses in response to this coronavirus pandemic. The first is Janie Howland, who is one of our members. She lost her dad. His name was Burton. She lost her dad this week, and they had the online Zoom funeral on Friday. And I also ask your prayers for someone we know and love who's been to worship with us many times for Jamil Adams, the poet and Natick, whose grandmother Dorothy was lost to the virus two weeks ago. And as we have done these last many weeks, I invite us to put our prayers for loved ones into the chat box. And what I like to do is I just expand the box so I can see all of them come through. Let us do that now. 
And as we continue writing, ask us to expand our prayers to the world, to all those on the front line, and to all the places beyond our corner here in Metro West Boston. Please, let's put us put those prayers in the chat box as well. And last but not least, my friends, let us hold and think of and write all the things that we're grateful for in the midst of so much that is hard. And please put those in. It is so important to lift up the gratitude. Please put those in. And as those continue to come in, I ask you and invite you to pray in whatever way you can this morning. Spirit of life, dear God of many names and no name, we pray this morning for all of these people, for all who have contracted coronavirus, we ask for care and for healing. For those who are feeling particularly vulnerable with their health, with their finances, we ask for safety and assurance. For all of us who experience fear and anxiety, we pray for peace of mind and comfort of others. For those families, some among us who are facing hard decisions between food and safety, we pray for policies that recognize them. For those who do not have adequate health insurance, we pray that no family will face their burdens alone. For those who are afraid to access the care due to their status as immigrants. We pray for recognition of the God and dignity of each and every person. For our sisters and our brothers all over the world, for the human family. We pray for our shared sense of solidarity. 
and for our leaders, for the policymakers, the scientists, the decision makers, we pray for wisdom and guidance. And how about no Twitter? Spirit of life during this time, may your church, which is our church, which is this place, may we be a sign of hope, may we be a source of comfort, and may we all remember that we are loved. Grant us peace, give us comfort, share with us healing. Let us be held in moments of silence together.
Each week we take an offering for the life and work of our congregation. And as you know, this year we have been piloting a Share the Plate uh, program where we share our offering with an outside organization. Uh, Natasha Marquard will tell us a little bit about this week's offering recipient, um, but we just wanted to let you know before she shares that we are collecting our offering through Realm. And you will see a slide in a little bit and then again at the end with instructions on how to give and a direct link to Realm is in the chat box uh, along with some instructions. If you uh, do donate through Realm, you need to designate whether you would like your offering to go toward your pledge or toward our offering recipient. And this information, um, there's two drop down menus and if you'd like money to go to both, it needs to be um, designated to both funds. So they're listed as funds in our online giving system. We know that this is a change and we are grateful for your flexibility and um, learning along with us as we shift things online. So this information will be posted again at the end of the service. And if you're having trouble getting onto Realm, um, note that many churches use Realm for online giving, especially now. So Sunday mornings can um, slow down their website quite a bit. So try again after the service if you're having trouble getting in now. I'd like to invite Natasha to share about our offering recipient. Uh, my name is Natasha Marquard, and I am a member of the Unitarian Universalist Area Church of First Parish in Sherburn. Many of you, as many of you know, we are sharing our weekly offering this year with organizations doing the much needed work of justice in our world. This week, we are sharing our plate with Habitat for Humanity. Habitat for Humanity is a global nonprofit housing organization working in local communities with a vision of a world where everyone has a decent place to live. Habitat works toward this vision by building strength, stability, and self-reliance in partnership with people and families in need of a safe and affordable home. Last year, some of our congregation participated in, in Women Build to help Habitat for Humanity demolished the interior of a dilapidated house that they had acquired from the town of Holliston. This was a full day of hard labor, and I am so proud of everyone who was able to contribute, whether through financial support or participating in the build day. I will admit I was likely the youngest of the group, and even I left store that day. This year, prior to the governor's stay-at-home directive, we were making plans to return to the home we helped demolish last year and finish putting it back together. As the stay-at-home directive has extended into May now, we will no longer be gathering a group to participate in April and are hopeful we will have the opportunity to reschedule our volunteer date. Our build day may be rescheduled, but the need for dependable housing remains. While we are being told to shelter at home, there are many who have no home to shelter in. When any disaster hits, a storm, a disease, a financial crisis, it is often those who struggle most who are the ones hardest hit. They are our neighbors. Families in our communities, many headed by single mothers, are already making trade-off choices between food, medicine, and an affordable home. To make matters worse, they are now left tackling the impact of coronavirus without the safety of a stable home. It is more critical than ever that we raise funds on behalf of local women and families who need a safe and affordable home. Please give as you are able following the link provided in the chat box. Thank you.
And Mike's going to share a video slide for our reading this morning. A History of Church, Including Yours, by Sean Neil Barron. One day, your church was born. Maybe it was a gathering of saints called together for the common worship of a wrathful God, ceaselessly praying between bouts of decreeing the evil of Christmas or dancing. Or maybe a few brave souls answered a notice in the newspaper, curiosity piqued by the announcement of a religion where free thinking and tolerance were bedrocks. No matter how it happened, your church was born. A gathering of people, humble, caring, 
anxious and quirky all at the same time, who covenanted to be with one another on the journey of life, death, and everything in between. And so it began, a faithful few, beautifully imperfect, called to that central task, that human task of connecting, loving, and serving. It was just a baby, and yet it was thrust deep into the human condition, tasked to hold minds and souls, bodies and hearts along the roller derby of disease and birth, infighting and joy, and Christmas pageants. Sometimes all of those at the same time. They gathered to hear the world broken open for insightful sermons, rejuvenating music, and a community whose fierce devotion to each other's well-being rivaled a mama bear's for her cubs. But it wasn't always like that, of course. There were the trying times. And I don't just mean Phyllis or Jack, those stubborn but lovable souls who inhabit the netherworld of committee meetings. No, I mean the trying times. When the church almost split in half over the war or integration, or when the mill left the town vacant, or when the minister crossed that line and the people couldn't speak about it for decades. But somehow you were still here, still on the town common, still the church that everyone recognizes, still the ones that show up every time you are called on, still using the communion silver until you voted to sell it. New people came and they changed things, small things, big things, things that nobody noticed as it happened until suddenly it was hard to even recognize anything anymore. That was a hard moment, a tearful moment. And other things changed too. The proclamations about God, once heard loud from the pulpit, softened. Wrathful became loving. Distant became intimate. Mandatory became optional. After the war, the nursery and RE classrooms were overflowing. Each baby dedicated reminded the church of the incredible beauty of life and the gift this community all huddled around baby would bestow upon this child. The history of your church is more a story of the determination of love to break forth than it is about of tie-dye or chalices, sermon discussions or social justice committee meetings. The history of the church is the history of human enterprise, evolving in its sights and sounds, yet revolving always around its core. The history of your church is the gift of potential and momentum, of baggage and personality. The history of your church is the launch pad from which you spring into action or disarray. Each day, your church is born.
I cried the, uh, the first time I saw that. I want to say a big thank you to Dara, Brian, and to Jess Jonas for putting that together for us. As I say every week, as we begin our shared time of reflection for our sermon, here is our world such as it is. Beautiful and terrible things have happened this week. Be not afraid. Keep your hearts tender and your eyes soft and your words true. Because this is what we are about. We know there is no answer but to love each other. We bear witness against unnecessary destruction. And we gather in community to practice being the people that we are trying to be. We cannot do everything, but we can do something. And that something is never nothing. So as Leonard Cohen has reminded us always, let us forget our perfect offering. There is a crack in everything. And say with me, that is how the light gets in. Um, this past week, I went into the, the church for the first time in many weeks. And I went there to, to pick up a, a fresh stole because I was bored with my other one. And also maybe I went to, uh, to borrow some coffee, just borrow, because we had run out at home. There are some perks to working there. Um, before I uh, left, I went into the sanctuary and uh, it was so still, it was so quiet. And I just sat there, I sat there, if you looked at Heather's earlier Wonderbox demonstration, like on the, on the far right near the windows. And I bent back for those of you that have been in our sanctuary because we have people with us this morning who haven't, but there's like these giant louver windows, uh, shades that you can bend them back. And I pulled them back to, to let the light in a little bit like just what uh, all the singers just sang in that Ben Harper song. And it, you know, it never, it never ceases to astonish me how beautiful that space is, how beautifully simple it is. The clean lines and the stark white and the clear windows, and they're all set against this pop of red on the floor and in the pews. And I sat there and I was, you know, I was soothed, but I was sad because the place was like frozen in time from when we were last there on March 9th, March 8th. But I sat there and I was thinking about going back in time to the people who built the sanctuary back in 1826. And there's no other word for it, for the hope they constructed that building with. I want us to remember that the meeting house there replaced the one that had burned down previously from fire. And after the inevitable grief of that moment and the fear of that time, they set hammer to nail to wood and created the house that you and I have gathered in all these years later. And when they did that, they showed us something very important about hope, which unlike optimism does not tell us that things are gonna be just fine. 
but instead actually places a, uh, a stance of resistance and persistence and defiance that it once sees the world as it is, but also what the world can be. Those people back then, they were not satisfied with ashes. And they built for us a house of hope to gather in and be grounded by. And on Tuesday, when I was there, I started to think about all the times that that has been true for that space. In 1860s, the country was torn and tattered by civil war. The minister preached out against the original American sin of slavery. The minister blessed the war dead and held the people in grief after the assassination of Lincoln. They were not sure of what would happen next, but the congregation then persisted and resisted and held open the doors of hope. The same happened again a generation later in World War I when conflict exploded across the globe and it destroyed lives and it destroyed families, it destroyed places. And just as it was finishing on the precipice of peace, the 1918 flu pandemic exploded as well. The people then didn't even know what a virus was. And still the congregation that you and I belong to persisted and resisted and held the doors open to the house of hope that you and I go to. The same happened again. It was 10 years later in the Great Depression and the offering plate was passed with less and less and less. And the people, they wondered and they worried about the future. And they surely wondered about the calamity of the last 10 years of war and pandemic and economic collapse. And still the congregation that you and I belong to, despite all of that, they persisted and they resisted and they held the doors open to the house of hope. And as I sat there on Tuesday, I was just thinking about how that has been true over and over and over and over and over again. Too many wars to name, too many diseases to name, and lean times and good and not so good clergy, and wondering about if the place would stay open were it not for Gans and the good is new shop, and homophobia that led the house to become a welcoming congregation to LGBTQ people in 1998. And then of course 9-11 happened, and then the Great Recession happened. And then we had good and not so good American presidents. And then we had Newtown. And then we had the Marathon bombing. And then we had Parkland. And then we had the scorched earth and shock and division of the 2016 presidential election. And then we had the moment and the movement that led to Black Lives Matter through it all. And this is my point. Leading up to this very moment, the congregation that came before us, that you and I belong to, has and have persisted and resisted and held open the doors to the house of hope so that you and I could enter in. Which leads us to now. Thank you.
Thanks, Nathan. So now, the present moment. It's quite a moment, isn't it? I was emailing with a member of our community care team yesterday, and they said that they never would have believed that they would be in a position of making calls to congregation members during a pandemic. And when they said, I bet you never thought that you'd be dealing with a pandemic during your internship. Well, they were right, <laughs> of course. Who among us could ever have seen something like this coming? I never thought I'd find myself yelling at my parents on the phone about going to the store without gloves and a mask. I never thought I'd be so zoomed out that being zoomed out itself would be a thing that I'd actually cancel a friend date because I just could not handle another hour of screen time. That actually happened to me this past Friday. And I never really thought I'd be struggling to find hope in an entirely new way. Maybe some of you feel that way too. Maybe like me, some of your go-to strategies for maintaining resilience and keeping hope alive are falling a little bit short these days. One glance at the headlines, especially this past week, can just send me spiraling down. So maybe you, like me, find yourself having to dig a little bit deeper to find ways to cope, to remind yourself who you are in the face of job loss or change, endless hours spent at home, and the emergence of a kind of anxiety and mental exhaustion that you might never have had to face before. For many of us, this is what we are wading through in this present moment. One of my favorite writer poets is Wendell Berry. And one of my favorite lines of his is from his poem, Manifesto, where he says, quote, be joyful though you have considered all the facts. I'll say that again, be joyful though you have considered all the facts. I thought of that line this week and said, well, Wendell, how in the heck am I going to be joyful considering these facts? I mean, seriously, there's a lot of scary, sad, and frustrating facts out there. I know I don't need to tell any of you that. But here's the thing. There's truth in that line, and I know it. Not because I think I can be joyful right now, because honestly, Joy feels a little bit scarce in this present moment, but I can, I can have hope. Not a magical hope that wants this horrible situation to go away so that everything can go back to normal, but a resilient hope, one that endures struggle and finds ways to keep going. A hope that considers all the facts and persists anyway. This church is doing that right now as it has for centuries. This house for hope has already survived a pandemic and, and the litany of other things that Nathan just laid out for you, war and fire and death and so much more. And this church, this house for hope has considered all of those facts and has persisted. When we're in worship every Sunday these past few weeks, I click through all of the screens so I can see all the little boxes of your faces and I smile. When you wave at each other, when you pray in the chat box, 
you fill up our house of hope and you teach me anew what it means to belong to a beloved community. Our meeting house is bigger now than it has ever been before. It's expanded our walls to include people from New York, New Hampshire, Florida, Missouri, Arizona, California, and Colorado, and maybe even more. By the sheer fact that we, and all of us, keep showing up every Sunday on these screens for each other and with each other in this sacred space, we are continuing the legacy of our house for hope. Hope is there in the myriad ways we are supporting each other in this present moment, from virtual coffee hour to the community care team phone calls, from covenant groups and the UUAC Facebook group, in our prayers, in our waves to each other, and in our praise and support of each other. All of these remind me that we belong to each other, that we are in this together, and that our collective hope can carry us forward on the days when the facts get us down. This community stands in this present moment as a house for hope. This house is where we come to be renewed, to love each other, to love our world into the future that we want. So though the facts may be scary right now, be hopeful, friends, for each other, for yourselves, and this, for, for this community. And I now turn it over to Reverend Heather to take us forward. Well, here we are. We are in anxious and uncertain times. And I've been thinking about who I want to be in these trying times and what kinds of communities I want to be a part of. Earlier this week, I was talking with my mom about summer plans and whether to make them at all. And we were talking about how this sense of future is so much shorter and narrower than it used to be. How timelines have consolidated themselves from planning for milestones five years away or next year or next season. Planning has shrunk down to tomorrow or next week. And these days, if I'm feeling audacious, I start thinking a month out. And here at UUAC, we have changed so many things too in such a short span of time as this global pandemic continues to unfold. I feel like the things I used to be able to trust about the future are no longer true. The timelines for planning are no longer predictable. And my friends, I wish I could make a prediction for what the future will hold for how this might go and when we will be able to gather in worship in our sanctuary again, for when I will be able to hug each of you in the receiving line. But if this month has taught me anything, it is that I know less about the future than I ever thought I did and that I can't make any promises or predictions. But while we can't promise what the future will, what the future will hold, here's what we can promise. We can promise that this congregation will be there. We can promise that we will be a house for hope. We, will, we can promise that we will encourage one another to be the people we say we want to be. We can promise that there is a love holding us. And we can promise that we are and that we will be always deeply interconnected. 
I've heard people talk about how we are living through history right now, and I wonder sometimes what future generations will think or say about this time we are in right now. I wonder about what future generations of our congregation will say, looking back, just as we have looked back on previous eras in our congregation, with gratitude, with pride, perhaps with some judgment or remorse. And I imagine future generations of our congregation, new ministers, new board members, sitting down with some of you maybe, 50 years in the future. I imagine some of today's young parents as elders in our congregation. And I imagine someone sitting down with these elders who are maybe future versions of some of you and asking, how did UUAC get through this time? And what did you do when you didn't, couldn't meet in person? And what did the community learn? And what was different afterwards in the church and in the world? And I try to come from a place of hope when I answer these questions and not fear because we are a house for hope. And so I imagine future members of UUAC, people who have not even been born yet, reflecting back on our community in 2020 and saying, thank you, 2020 version of UUAC, thank you for taking care of one another through hard times. Thank you for trailblazing a new way of doing church together, for reminding us that the church is the people, the connections, and the covenant more than the physical building. Thank you for maintaining the building so we had a spiritual home, a physical spiritual home to come back to once we could be in person again. Thank you for investing in our children and youth, for nurturing a generation that is resilient, kind, and creative, a generation that values community welfare more than individual achievement. I can imagine these future members of our church saying, thank you for fighting for our democracy. Thank you for showing up in all the ways you could when you couldn't show up physically. Thank you for trusting each other in what must have been incredibly scary and hard times. Thank you for sharing what you had so that everyone could have enough. Thank you for your spiritual discipline of remembering that we are deeply, deeply interconnected and that what affects one of us affects all of us. My friends, as we consider how we have been, how we are, and how we might be a house for hope, I wonder what you would hope that future generations looking back will say of our UUAC community in this time. I invite you to share your responses in the chat box. What would you hope that future generations looking back will say of our UUAC congregation and community in this time? And as you share those thoughts, and as we sing together our closing hymn, I say amen and invite you to continue to share what you hope future generations will say of our community in this time. Amen. I think one thing they might say would be, thank you for doing the really weird stuff you never thought you'd do, like sing a hymn into a muted computer <laughs> just to fill your own house with the songs that keep us together. So I invite you to do that now. 
We're going to sing one more step and the words will be in the chat box. Please sing. Sarah, invite us to say together our call to ministry. These words are expression of how we live our faith out into our families here at home and in our community and across Zoom and all the ways that we gather. Say with me, we go forth into the world in peace to act with works of love, to affirm each person's dignity, and to cherish the living earth. Our benediction from my colleague, Victoria Safford. Our mission is to plant ourselves at the gates of hope, not the prudent gates of optimism, which are narrower, nor the stalwart, boring gates of common sense, nor the strident gates of self-righteousness, which creak on shrill and angry hinges, nor the chief, cheerful, flimsy garden gate of everything's going to be just fine but a different and it's often sometimes a lonely place. It's a place of telling the truth about your own soul, first of all, and its condition, a place of resistance and defiance, a piece of ground from which you see the world, both as it is and as it could be and as it will be. The place from which you glimpse is not only struggle, but it's also the joy of struggle. And as we stand there, you and I, beckoning and calling across our screens in this moment, we are telling people what we are seeing and we are asking people what they see. We love you. We will see you in coffee hour here if you'd like to stay on after the postlude, which I really invite you to do. It's a way just to connect with people you haven't maybe uh, met yet or met ever and uh, just to talk um, to them and provide your presence for them. Um, we love you. We miss you. We'll see you later this week and all the different options we're providing. Our postlude from Kathleen.
All right, friends.